ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. How's it going, people? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. And in this one, Adia, me and Laura got together to do a live podcast. This was recorded live last night on the YouTube page. A lot of you guys turned up and asked loads of amazing questions and left loads of cool comments. And it's so cool when we do these when they, when you do these live podcasts because it's sort of like a it's like an automatic feedback and it feels like we're sort of all in a room together having a conversation, which is quite cool. I know it's not in person, which I hopefully we can do one day in the future, you know, but it sort of gives you that good sort of feedback. Um, right in the moment and I get to see what you, your guys thoughts are on certain things that that I see or in particular in this one what Laura said towards the beginning of this one me and Laura had a we spoke about some of our observe now thoughts we've been having we spoke about language we spoke about off-grid living and um, how our thoughts towards moving towards towards that as a lifestyle and everything else in between, you know, as you guys know, when we do these Q&As, the questions are, come from come from all over the place, you know. Um, I, we always, I always say it, you know, but um, that this community that's starting to grow out there now with this podcast it really is beautiful. And I always can tell by the, the, the level of questions and the level of feedback that I get from you guys that, you know, you're also just very similar to, to me and Laura, you know, and it's it's cool to be able to come together and create this community, whatever we're creating, where we're all just, you know, we're all just uncovering um, many different things um, in our lives that have sort of been, sometimes have been hidden from us, they've been forbidden from us, um, and we're sort of all trying to find our way back to this sort of this deep knowledge that fundamentally is within us all, you know, but it's it's kind of we're like un- uncovering a lot of um, cool and interesting information and sharing ideas along the way. So it's really cool anyway to have a group of relatable people like yourselves out there who are listening um, in this community. It really is beautiful. So I love you all. If you can, as always, check out the one-off donation option or the Patreon page. And if any of you guys out there need a little bit of advice um, or want some personal coaching, I'm more than happy to do that. As I've got a few more places opened up. Um, a couple of coaching clients you know, in the past who I've been working with, sometimes, you know, people just come to the, sometimes they want some advice on certain things. Other times they just want someone that, that they can talk to. And I think we all need someone we can talk to from time to time. So if you need that in your life, I'm more than happy to, uh, if you want to reach out to me and we'll see if we're fit to work together. Um, so that's all I'm going to say anyway. I love you all, wherever you are in the world. Uh, enjoy this one. Peace out. How's it going, everyone? So um, just to start this before we dive into some Q&A questions that we want to answer. So like I said, if you've got any questions, just put them in the 
the comments in the right hand side and we'll go through them all and we'll answer as many as we can I just I seen this quote the other day which is really uh, cool and I wanted to uh, mention it it was a quote and it said if your family doesn't um, doesn't think you're a nut um, then are you even awake and I think that's such a funny um, analogy to sort of through the spiritual lens you know when we're all waking up i think our friends and our families around us at times do think that we need to be putting a, a white stray coat for, uh, for sure but it's very interesting because um you know a lot of people around the world right now are waking up and a lot of people just like yourselves out there we are start, starting to go through this process where we're starting to go through a um a process of unlearning a lot of the lies and things that's been put on us from a from a very young age um, but you know, but this is not just something that is random. You know, I feel like this is sort of um, this sort of this societal days that a lot of people are in. You know, a lot of people are sleepwalking. I feel like it's a, a part of a trained response. It's a trained days. You know, we've been our senses have been manipulated in terms of um, language. I think language is a, a really big one in society, which a lot of people don't actually talk about. How language actually affects our reality. Um, not just from the subconscious, but how um, we interact with reality in itself. I know Terence McKenna, Sanchez Bonacci, uh, they're great minds who talked about how uh, language can distort reality. Um, you know, but it does seem to be that someone out there doesn't sort of, you know, someone doesn't want us to sort of recognize the, the true order in the universe and they're trying to sort of hide that from us. 100%. I put out a video recently called Agent Smith Programming. And what that is basically is as you grow up, as you're a child and you come into this world, you're basically like a, a clean soul, apart from like the the genetic memory that you get put into. And as you go through like programming and societal conditioning through your parents and certain things like going through the schooling system, it's like you start to become programmed to what is possible, what isn't possible. And I recently had an experience where I kind of felt the energetic exchange of that. It felt like, like a heavy black mud being put in my auric field after like I'd done a lot of work in my sacral chakra area. And I had a dream recently which like it let me see when I'm operating through that conditioned mind, I'm actually there's actually like a black filter or a black fog like that I'm, that I'm looking through. And I think as you start to awaken, you start you start to unpack that conditioning and the and the kind of mud that's been put on you and you have a broader aperture of what reality is. And I think when you've got all that conditioning of what is and isn't possible, you kind of you move away from what thinking is and you go into running more of like a like a what's the word for it? It's like you you run in a script basically. You you have programmed responses for questions like, Oh, this is this way because of this and you, you you're not actually thinking about it, you're just regurgitating something that you've been programmed to say. I think the best acknowledge that you said is the um, the Kanye West with the uh, coffee tables. Yeah. That's a good one to talk about that because that's a great great way to put it across how how this sort of we move through life and how you know um, a lot of stuff has been put on us from a young age um, and we're sort of collecting all this mud like so the body's a vessel for mud and we were born in the world we collect more and more mud and as we're waking up we're starting to remove more and more of this mud. Um, but uh, Kanye West has a great way of putting it, doesn't he? Yeah, so he said, um, like, when you're a child, you jump on top of a coffee table and you believe it's a mountain or a space or a spaceship or a planet or something like that. And and the kid's the superhero on top of that coffee table or whatever, and he's perceiving it as whatever it is. And the parent comes in and goes, get off that coffee, ta coffee table, it's expensive. And 
that kind of shuts the kid down like he's in this high vibe place of feeling good like oh he's anything's possible and he like what's the word collapses the um it collapses the whole experience down there that's an expensive coffee table and you give the example of like when you get older the world becomes full of coffee tables and it's calculating you into traffic it's calculating you into a job that you don't like it's calculating you into watching the news and being programmed to to even more to believe what what's going on in the world and what isn't isn't possible so that was the um the example that he gave of it but um terence mckenna also had a an example of that it was a child in it like a, a baby in a cot and a hummingbird comes in the room and the baby's having this amazing experience you know he's it's seeing all the lights of the hummingbird it's like all the noises the sounds the sensory experiences is in the the mom comes in and goes that's a hummingbird and it like again it collapses a a whole like multi-dimensional sensory experience down to that down to like a, a, a word. word and that's yeah. how kind of language manipulates our senses yeah i feel like a lot of people don't speak about language like i said before there's some great um people out there who's who's really broke down um language and how it affects society how it affects the way that we operate in society how it manipulates our senses you know i kind of feel like there is um like laura gave the analogy before of the the hummingbird about how the child was in the room and the parent turns around and says you know it's like uses the the word the symbol and says um makes the sound that it's a hummingbird and how it it dilutes that whole experience down to a word i kind of feel like if any of you out there have had experiences with psychedelics you'll understand this how when you're in that that state of um of altered state of altered state of consciousness, whatever you want to call it, you know that that world doesn't function in language. You know, you might get sort of bits and spads of language, but basically, you know, it, it operates in it operates in sort of images, and them images that come through, you know, the the sort of the undescribable magic, if you want to call it that. You know, it's like for example when you try and bring back that experience and you tell your friends or you tell your family or you do a podcast about a, a mad experience where you've seen this whatever it, whatever it is that you've seen you know words never do that language uh, never do that language words never do that um justice and i kind of feel like um a, an argument that i've heard a guy sanchez bonacci make and then also terence mckenna made is that how you know how how it's through the restriction of use of trying to put language on everything how it actually can affect um the our ability how, how it can affect our imagination how it can affect um the potential of of where the mind can go you know puts a limitation it, it puts us in this filter i think that's important and i think it's like the spaces that we're living as well like we'll grow up and we'll put in a cot which is a square inside a inside of a square room inside of a square house we'll watch the square tv it's like everything's kind of setting up to put us in boxes and now as you look at people who like who go to music concerts now they're putting little pens as like as you put as you would put sheep in so it's everything's kind of made to compartmentalize us into a little box and tell us this isn't possible this isn't possible and as you start to break three from that it's like that's when you start looking crazy and erratic to other people yeah terence mckenna has an amazing quote and he says if um if language is restricted thought restricted and i kind of feel like um you know that we all know how powerful thought is you know and i feel like right now in the world you know for example you know look at the for example the, the tv the tv um people call it the hypno box you know it is it puts you in a for example you know we, we know around the world now that hypnotists can make people believe that certain objects are certain things for example they can make you believe that a, um a, a piece of bacon is an orange instead or something you know they can whatever it is that they can make you believe that something is something else 
and I kind of feel like there's a there is a sort of a the TV in general, you know, the the media, the the, the world in general pumps out this this frequency. You know, it is it is a sort of a hypnotic trance that that's being pumped out. You know, and it can make you, it can manipulate you to 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 sort of see the world in a certain way. I was telling this to Laura the the other day about the the mask scenario and how if you look around at the world right now, you know, um, the only the only thing that can actually distinguish that there is a real virus is that people are wearing masks you know when you walk outside you know there's no evidence to suggest there's a real virus going on however but there is a sort of a reaffirming of that going on when you walk around everyone's wearing a mask and that reaffirms to that part of yourself that something is going on you know it reaffirms the narrative that people are trying to sort of um are trying to push out you know and i kind of feel like there is a um there is a frequency that's being put out um, throughout all of our lives, like I said before, when I started this, we're all going through this sort of unmeshing of and unlearning everything that we've been told from a young age, and we're realizing a lot of this stuff that we've been told is a lie, you know. And it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to stumble through this, especially with now with the with the news and um, the media. You've even got sometimes it's even hard to believe and um, what comes out the mouths of alternative information and stuff because a lot of people are grabbled as well. You know, there's a lot of people have hidden agendas. They want to push. They want you to buy the products and things like that. So it's kind of like we're all in this community, whatever you want to call this community, spirituality community, we're all sort of trying to go through this unmeshing of trying to work out and trying to tune into our senses and what's real and what's not real. And it's kind of, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to do that. hundred percent. Like this is something that we were discussing this morning, actually, because I'm like taking a little bit of a step back from social media. Just like I used to look at it quite a lot, but I'm realizing it's like a lot of it is just fear porn and despair porn and it's locking you into that frequency of fear and despair and it's the only way I can describe it is if you live in the UK there used to be a program called Crime Watch and I remember that feeling that Crime Watch used to give us it used to make us feel like very paranoid and and scared about going outside and and thinking that the world was very dangerous but it, it also felt like it was pulling me in because I was wanting I was still wanting to watch it even though it gave me this kind of dirty feeling of fear and I felt that same dynamic with the stuff that I've been like looking at on social media, like seeing about the vaccine and the New World Order's agenda. It's like it's still kind of pulling on those those kind of emotional dependencies inside myself. So like that's the reason why we said that we're going to go to a protest down in London, but we've kind of decided against it because I think a protest does make a good stance. It, it, it sends a message, but I also feel like you can also be pulled into that that kind of energy of us against them, which kind of maintains this three-dimensional reality of, of polarity and division. But we also said that it would be so much more useful to spend our time learning about gardening, <laughs> learning about how to plant seeds, how to like rear animals and all these sorts of things. That's a much more useful investment of time than trying to ask the government for more power, like, to give us our powers back, which yeah. is stupid. You said something before, just to go back again before we start. We're going to answer, we're going to go through and answer some questions, but we just wanted to have a few observing our thoughts that we're talking about and bounce off each other. But Laura was telling me something the other day about, um, I've heard it before, but it was like sort of when you get them moments of clarity where you really see it for what it is in terms of uh, how language can affect our reality. You were speaking about uh, the, the, the deers of the week. Deers of the so week. the deers of the week. Um, yeah, so, describe that. It's cool. It's really interesting. So... 
we've been like enjoying ourselves recently and we've been forgetting what day it is and so I asked Dan like what day is it today and he's like oh it's Wednesday and I said to him oh I forgot about the days of the week and then it kind of hit in my head like oh my god the days of the week the d-a-z-e of the w-e-a-k yeah, yeah that's it the days of the week and I was just like it made me realize about how how language is kind of used to reiterate or kind of like it's like like a shaman, like a, like a kind of shaman would do. It's like kind of reestablishing the same reality. Like you say good morning, but what does morning mean? Morning means somebody somebody's normally died or there's like death involved. And why would you say good morning? So it's stuff like that that's kind of it's kind of reinforcing this this reality that we've been living in of this days like state. It's kind of like how all the words are in all in plain sight, you know, like, for example, um, uh, one that everyone knows is government, governmental, govern over your mental. It's kind of like all these sort of these word spells, because like word spells are all in plain sight, you know, it's sort of kind of like, because we, we, we know that in, in the past, me and Laura talked us the other day about if you look at the hieroglyphs, you know, the hieroglyphs, if you do any research and looking at them, the hieroglyphs were more from a... Um, they were more from a, um, a sort of an image-based perspective. For example, like like I described before, when you take psychedelics, it's more it's the 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 hieroglyphs are, are more sort of expansive. Or how how do you explain the two hemispheres in regards to that? So um, the hieroglyphs are like the way the ancient Egyptians wrote them. They're kind of operating more from a right hemisphere way yeah. of thinking because it's they're using um, like pictures to symbolize broader concepts rather than the left hemisphere way of thinking, which is our language would be to kind of use um, different letters to kind of... It's like a, like a computer would code something. You use different letters to make up different sounds. It's like that uses the left hemisphere more than the right. Yeah, but it's, it's just interesting how um, it seems like something's happened in civilization where language has moved in and it's sort of limited our, re- our reality boxes. You know, reality, re- as Terence McKenna says, it's limited our reality tunnels and how we perceive, how we perceive the world. Um, I was going to say something before again about... Um, Lost my trail of thought there. I was going to say something about language. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. For example, you know, it seems like um, the way that lang- how language has, has come into the world. You know, for example, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if anyone out there have looked into the free man and the land movement and stuff like that. And it's kind of like how this language is also being affecting all this. You know, for example, there was a video years ago. Um, I can't remember the guy, but he was called the natural living man. So if you type in on YouTube, the natural living man, and he was somebody who was... Um, even he was he was he was basically uh, accused of fishing, basically you know, which is a fundamental human right, um, you know, and he he was basically took to court for that for that um for that accusation, and he stood up in that court and um he was somebody who, he was operating from a place of the natural living man. He wasn't operating as a corporate entity, and I kind of feel like there's a system that's being set up in the world now where. As soon as you enter their jurisdiction through language, they can, you know, they can do, they can, they can get you on so many different cases because you identify as a corporate entity, not as a natural living being. They can sort of, uh, once you're in their system, they can play you and they know that system so well. And I remember a guy who had on the podcast years ago called Allegedly Dave, and he was doing this thing where he gave up his driving license um, because, you know, there's certain stipulations within a driving license, like how soon as you sign, uh, you, soon as you sign over your um, insurance and stuff, that means that your car is no longer your property. It's it's in the state's hand. There's loads of hidden language and uh, stuff that we don't realize. And he told me that he went down this trailer trailer route where he knew his he knew the language language really well. Uh, he's got a good video as well called the language of creation, and um, but he knew language really well. And even him he said that it was set up so well that they know this system so well that when you play in their ball court, 
um, they have it set up in a way where the language is so turned and twisted that the, you, the one you're operating from a corporate entity, not a, not, a, not a sort of a human entity. And I kind of feel like the system, you know, our birth certificates are the same. And Michael Tellinger talks about this, how our birth certificates have been. There's language in that saying that we're, we, as soon as our birth certificates are signed, we become a corporate entity. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a, it seems like there's a, there's a whole um, sort of map that's been played out trying to sort of, you know, keep you in your, in your limited vessel so that you can't become a free human being, you know, so that you are a corporate entity. I think as well they say something like, um, I heard this a long time ago, that if you um, type, in an, somewhere, type in in a database your birth certificate, it actually tells you how much you're worth to the system. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's mad. Somewhere, somewhere, I think it was um, Sanchez Bonacci, I think, was talking about that. How if you type it in, there's a system somewhere where they have people who they know how much value are. As soon as you're born, you get a value put on your head, how much tax you're going to pay and stuff. Mad, isn't it? That's absolutely mad. I think there's a reason why the elite people are masters of occultism because they know the nature of this reality more than, you know, that more than what we do right now. But I feel, I still feel like I'm a a proper, like, a. What's the way? Like, is it a novice? novice a novice. Like, proper novice when it comes to all this sorts of stuff. Like, there's so much to this place that I haven't even scratched the surface of yet. So that's the exciting thing about waking up. You kind of, there's always more to learn and more more to uncover. Yeah, it's kind of interesting though because it seems like the way it's been set up, it is like it is a game. You know, it's kind of like because even I feel like even ever whatever you want to call them, the elite or whatever you want to call them, kind of feels like the people who make all these laws and change all these laws to suit their corporate corporate entities and corporate needs, they kind of like put it in plain sight. You know, it is if you if you do if you have the patience, you know, the Monday world set up in a way where it's taking us away from that from that research. You know, I mean, look around in your life, how many people really understand the law? You know, I don't even understand the law fully. I know it a little bit. I've had to know it a lot more lately. What's going on in the world now? I've been educating myself of things how I can stand up for not wearing a mask and things like that. But um, really, you know, in school, we're not taught about these laws. We're not taught 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 about common law uh, and the differences between that. You know, it's a uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like something does not want us to, to know that, you know, so we can be easy to easy manipulated to and we don't know where we stand, you know? Yeah, I mean, I studied law for three years and I still don't understand it at all. So I think um, the way the universities are set up are, are like kind of more indoctrination centres now because I don't really remember learning anything, how to put the your how to put the law to good use it was more teaching us about transgender hate crimes and lgbtq issues and things like that so i it was clear that we're kind of being programmed towards a certain agenda yeah it's really interesting i wanted to mention when i before when i was talking about that guy called the natural living man if you i'd recommend going checking that out because it's just a great display of, of word magic and how if you do know your laws how you can how they can't do anything to you and I remember this, I think he was called Ernie, Ernie, Tell, Ernie Tail Show, I think. I'm not too sure, but if you type in The Natural Living Man, you'll find it. And he has this video on YouTube. It's uh, really great. It's like in two parts. And he goes to court and um, the judge is basically trying to trial him as a corporate entity for fishing. And he just, you know, he sticks to the word, he sticks to his own word magic. You know, he sticks to the natural living, living, living man laws, you know. He doesn't identify as a corporate entity. And he just says, you know, I'm a natural, I'm the natural living man, I'm the natural living man. And the, the judge in the court, because he wouldn't adopt to their corporate uh, laws and he wouldn't identify in their jurisdiction, the judge couldn't do anything about it. And the judge actually left the court. Um, so, the, so the court hearing was over, overturned. And I kind of feel like... Um, and then the second time around when he went to the court, then he did the same thing again. And they didn't even... 
this is this is kind of like this is what the this is the, this is the extent of what kinds that kinds has to happen and this is the kind this is a scary sort of reality of what's going on in the world now because i've had an example of this but the second time around when he was in that courtroom they didn't even allow him to speak because he knew if he spoke he would have actually you know they wouldn't have been able to do nothing about it, the news and his in his any sort of natural rights and they ended, ended up just physically dragging him to the floor and arresting him and uh, this is kind of interesting because I had an experience a while ago when I, when I went to the, the story I described at the supermarket with the mask. And when I was in that supermarket with all them people around us, sort of, you know, they were, they were, um, you know, they were in a position where they were, they were um, discriminate, discriminating against me. You know, if I did have a, if I did have a, um, a medical exemption, you know, that that would have been maybe it would have been a lot different for someone in that situation who was a lot more vulnerable than I was. But I, like I said, I've had I used that stipulation to play use their games against them, you know, um, in them situations because you can't you can't go in the supermarket and we can't start throwing axes around, you know. Which at times there's a part of me that wants to do that, you know, but we can't do that, you know. It's not right to do that. Um, you know, there's a, there was a quote I read the other day how saying, you know, we're we're fighting for people who aren't even awake yet. Because you've got to remember that there's a lot of people out there who aren't even awake yet, and we're fighting for them as well. And um, but I had the example um, of where, you know, I said it, I I was thrown all the laws and legislation, um, and using all the different loopholes in that situation to to put them on the back burner, sort of say, and put them in the place. And even in, even when that case happened, there was many people in there who still didn't they didn't even understand the because they didn't know the laws they reverted to 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 surface level consciousness and just said well get out we'll just get out go and shop somewhere else and then some guy tried to hit us with a trolley you know so it's kind of like the system if it's pushed to a certain point where it can no longer through language you're not operating in there through their language or you're not operating in the what how they want to play the game they will just revert to violence and that's what they do around the world you know that's what all the all the different corporate entities around the world and um, they go around all these different co companies and they just use pure violence and um you know force to to to, to remove people out they did this to indigenous cultures and native americans they tried to them with language with fancies and lollies you know here's a schooling system but well, they don't want a schooling system you know they're happy where they are here's a house they don't want a house they've already living in nature you know the system kind of wants to subdue you with the fancies and lollies with the language and then if you don't attain to that they'll come in with brute force you know should I answer some questions? Yeah, do it. Have a travel scroll through. Yes, there was a one that was sent on Instagram, wasn't there, about awakening? Yeah. Did you write that down, or do I just answer that now? So while while Laura's trying to find the first question, um, someone actually sent us a question on me Instagram just before I started. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of you heard of this. Maybe you haven't heard Laura's um, story, so maybe I'll let her ramble on a bit longer. But someone asked us a question um, about our awakening journeys and how did we sort of wake up. Um, I'll briefly touch on this because it's a big one for me, but I'll let Laura do most of the talking because you probably haven't heard her heard her awakening journey, um, which will be probably a bit more interesting than I've spoke a few times. But just for me, brief, brief, subtle, I wanted to say that I think... Um, you know, we're constantly always awakening. Um, that's the first thing I want to say. I think no matter where we are on the journey, we're always constantly waking up. Um, we're always moving through that transition where we're, we're, you know, we always, as I always say, the more we know, the more we don't know. And I feel that's the same part of the awakening journey with inside of the self. We're always constantly awakening, you know. Um, but for me, it was just, like I said, I, I think this, for me so far my journey, there's probably a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh part of the awakening. Uh, but I feel like my journey was in two parts of the awakening. I had the awakening where I was looking into watching YouTube videos and, um, you know, reading all the different books about consciousness. And then I went on a journey where I had the Kundalini awakening. And I really feel like my 
awakening journey went to another level within that it went from more of a intellectual perspective of reading things to more internalizing the experiences like i went through a, a point in my life where the uh, the deep work and the experiences which are still going on now were really starting to ramp up loads and loads and loads there was a time in my life where i wasn't having these deep experiences i was aware of all the psychedelics i was you know i even had experiences with psychedelics but i really hadn't felt like the 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 next part of the awakening happened where I really started, you know, being able to tune into the self, have the experiences where I could see the chakra system within inside of myself, um, you know, feel the energy throughout my body, um, have have um, moments of healing myself and healing others and many other type of experiences. So I kind of feel like the, the rabbit hole goes so deep and I don't know how more deeper it's going to go. But that's the basic summary anyway. I think that for me, there's been two parts to the awakening. Yeah, I feel that it's the same with mine. Like I started dipping my toes into spirituality about 2015 um I was getting high quite a lot and when I would get high I would like I would sit and think about how the room is made up of mostly part like it's made up of particles and how particles are mostly empty space so that really started to like teach me about like there's a non-physical force that's kind of guiding reality and realizing reality isn't as solid as what we've believed and then I started to research psychedelics had a few psychedelic experiences and then that was the kind of like first part of my awakening and the second part I would kind of call it the dark night of the soul it felt like there was like a series of like extremely traumatic events in my life and when I look back now it was it looks like it was kind of designed to kind of break me down psychologically until I was like left with just nothing <laughs> like just left with the pure soul to like kind of rebuild with and I was having out-of-body experiences I was you know um seeing aliens and all this sorts of things but I still feel like I still get visions in that now which tells me the like the right way to go and I, I always feel like I'm on like peeling back layers but the big the big thing of my awakening process was kind of like the breakdown and the breakthrough that was kind of the catalyst for like kind of really embodying this this persona of like, okay, like the world isn't what we've been told it is. Um, I'm a multi-dimensional being having a human experience. And from that, I kind of started living that truth instead of just kind of knowing it logically, but not really living it. So there's a question here. Um, Die Matrix says, what is the best way to find like-minded people nearby? So this is probably the... This is a, this is I think this is a common question within the spirituality community. I think we all, you know, we all want to find groups of people who are more more like minded. And this is to be honest with you, this is I'm going to answer this more truthfully because, um, you know, there's people always say there's always ways, um, which there is, um, but I kind of feel like this is one of the hardest things for me and Laura on our journey is finding like minded people. It's took us years to actually find people um around who we can relate to. Um, it was, you know, when me and Laura first got together, that was one of the moments where I really started to realize that there was other people out there. You know, for me doing a podcast, it's a lot easier because you, I, all, I see all you guys out there watching now, which is beautiful. And I know there is so many people out there who are just like us. Um, and like I've said so many times, we do need to find ways where we can get together and we can hang out. Um, I don't know what how that is going to be yet, but um, I'm definitely... Don't get us wrong. I'm I'm working, trying to think ideas how we can do that, how we can have hangouts or something, and because this needs to happen, because there's something more special when it's in person. And I know there's so many people out there who are craving more in-person elements, and you you want to have experiences, and you want to bounce off people, um, not just online but in person. I think, like for example, I think it's it's good to um, I always say a lot of people as well in the comments 
comment with each other as well. I think that's really cool. That's probably a good way to to to, re- to reach out as well and like to reach out to each other. Ask maybe where you're from or something. And you never know. You know something might happen. A synchronicity where someone's not far from you. I've been finding out as well doing the podcast that. Um, so many people from where we're currently located now in the northeast of England, how many people in the northeast of England are actually awake, awakened, and how many people are reaching out saying, oh, related to that, I'm only just around the corner, you know? And I know it's probably easier for me doing a podcast and doing that, but I kind of feel like maybe if you just, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's forums out there, even in the YouTube chat, like don't be scared to, to if you resonate with someone's comment, just reach out and just just drop it in the comments and say where you're from, you know, someone might be for, from not far from where, where, you, where you're at. Yeah, I think, um, I think this might have been easier like a year or two ago, but yeah. if you go on Eventbrite or like um, events pages, you can see if there's psychedelic talks or a talk on psych or a talk on the psychology or something like that something that interests you um that's where i met like the first people that i never met that were interested in psychedelics that's where i met them at a psychedelic talk so i'm not sure what that would be like now with covid restrictions which is quite sad but um that's also a good place to look as well have a look on facebook and any psychedelic groups yeah i think kind of, kind of feel as well as um something that I, I I did in the past as well to try and find like-minded people is you can sort of use uh, I know you, probably people want like me you want to have huge deep out there conversations talking about consciousness and you know all these topics out there but you, there is a middle ground you can find and for example you can you know I kind of feel like a lot of people who are into these big topics of spirituality and consciousness are also interested in maybe you know maybe things that have a bit more of a bridge to the modern day world like people are interested in yoga for example people are interested in traveling people are interested in you know van life and uh, minimalizing the life um you know i'm trying to think it goes it goes healthy foods you know this this sort of the, the transition goes off into many different topics and i kind of feel like if you can try and you know find some groups related to maybe yoga or something uh, you might find some people in there who are you know they're doing yoga from from a health perspective but they're also thinking bigger and you can spark conversations uh, from that too as well. 100%. Um, yeah. Bobby Joel says, I want to start with uh, psychedelics, but don't know which ones to start with. Was thinking about ayahuasca. What do you lovely infinite beings think? That's a good That's a good question. Do you want to jump in that first or do you want me? Um. Yeah, so the, the first psychedelic I took was a small dosage of magic mushrooms when I was away in Amsterdam. Um, I just took a very, very like a... It was such a light dose that I was getting some visuals in my thoughts, the way my like thoughts were changing and things like that. I think if you're going to start, start with like the a really low dose just to kind of dip your toes in to see what it, what it's all about. You don't want to be taking like heroic doses of magic mushrooms on your first try. So my first dose was like, I think it was half a half a bag of five grams or something. I don't, I can't remember, but it was it was quite small. And then from there, I started to order magic truffles and like kind of up the dosage each time like to depending on what I felt ready for yeah for, for me um the first one I experienced with is and actually you can order these online I'm not promoting them or anything but there's there is I'm not going to say the websites but there, you'll find them yourself if you go and do your research uh, but there's a, there's a there is a f- few research and it's funny I was just about to say from Netherlands and there's someone said I am from Netherlands <laughs> that's the place to get the shrooms <laughs> yeah, <baby. laughs> um, but I ordered there's a couple of sites from Holland that can actually send packages to other places in the world and, and mushrooms is, 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 a, is a good way to start through that you know they have um on a lot of websites as well they have like it tells you sort of um sort of what you're going to get from the experience you know lower doses and stuff like that and i kind of feel like that's a that's a good uh, place to start 
I'd say weed, weed's still a good place to start, you know, depending on how you, I know a lot of people use weed to escape themselves. Um, Laura, Laura had an interesting thing that she taught me a while ago um, where you spoke about how sometimes when people take weed, it'll, what, what weed does, it will take you to the frequency um, that it'll take, do you, you describe it, you do a better job than me. All right, so weed itself is a plant which has its own frequency. And if you're on a lower vibrational frequency than what the weed is, it's going to take you to a more high vibe place where you feel more relaxed and calm. Uh, but if you're on a higher vibrational state than the plant, it's going to take, it's going to make you feel a bit paranoid, and it's going to kind of bring up subconscious elements that you you need to work on. So yeah. Yeah. So I think I think weed weed's a good one if you're in the right frame of mind and you can develop a, a situation where you do a proper ritual around it. Um, you know, and set up the room nice or something. You know, weeds are probably a, a nice one to, to start on as well. Yeah. I said I'm not sure why I'm so, but I'm eating rice while listening to you talk about weed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put some hemp oil in that weed. <laughs> I made that mistake a long time ago. Not in rice. I put it in a cake, and it was a the bad bad no no. Can't really see many questions. Go back to the top. Someone said, this one's, uh, Gabagia said, if you could, if I could, I would live on a farm, grow everything myself and be completely off grid. Only problem is money. You need a job to make money to do all that. Well, I'll actually add a different opinion on that because I kind of feel like um, I completely understand what you're saying, you know, with, with the money and stuff. I kind of feel like just to back back up what you're saying, I will obviously sort of counteract what you said, but I'm just going to back up also as well because there's contradictions and everything. Um, but yeah. Um, I feel like what I was saying before about how, you know, the world is set up in a way where it makes you very hard to get, for us to get back to the place where we need to go. You know, we all, I get people reaching out to me all the time saying, I want to be off grid. I want to start a self-sustainable community. You know, we want to do that same thing as well. We're, we're moving towards that as well. We're trying our best, you know. Um, and I kind of feel like the system, in a way, has been wrapped around us to try and prevent us back to that, you know. There's a lot of laws and legislations and um, things trying to prevent you from um, living that way, you know. There is certain loopholes and ways that is changing between local governments and how they're trying to promote people back to the land and stuff. But it's still quite a it's still quite a treacherous land where you have to you have to have a lot of discipline to work through that. You know, I've met many people who, who live this way when I was doing the podcast in the past. And, you know, and they've taught me about the sort of the legal ordeals to try and get in a position where they can actually have their own patch of land and they can grow their foods. And, you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a minefield, you know, but I kind of feel like if you, if you want something in life, you will, you will find a way to it. And I, I watched a video the other day um, on YouTube, a guy who actually had no money and got land for free. It was a really cool video. You might be able to find this. And this was in the UK. So I don't know how this works in other countries. I know this method works in Wales. It also works in Ireland. So basically everywhere in Great Britain it works. I don't know about other countries. You'll have to log into it. Uh, and I'm never going to do this justice. But he, to basically break it down very basically, he had a video describing how you can actually claim land um, through legal loopholes for free. So he, what he was saying is is that there's, a, there's websites where land has f fell into... Um, has fell out the hands of families. For example, say if old people had that land and they died, it falls into sort of unregistered land within the UK. I think 80% of most land in the UK is private. I think it's owned by um, the reptilian, I mean the Queen. Uh, um, but um, a lot of that land is owned by the Queen, but there's a lot of land that's sort of in between and some of it's unclaimed land. And he did this 
long uh, process where he actually went around trying to find a piece of land that was unowned. Um, and he went, there's a whole, there's, I mean, there's, you know, if you type in how to get land for free, I'm sure you'll find the videos of people breaking it down. But there's there's like the sort of certain steps that you have to do to go around getting that claim on that land. And people have done it. You know, I've, I've spoke to people off the podcast who've done that process. Um, but, you know, like even if you haven't got money, you know, there's um, there's also ways to um, to go up, maybe reach out to a self-sustainable community, reach out to them and ask them, do you need some help, you know? Because um, these self-sustainable communities all around the world, there's so many of them who, who need so many help. Uh, me and Laura's thinking about doing this quite a bit. We're going to, just to get some experience on growing our own foods, we're going to actually go to um, some people I've made contact with in the past and we're going to go and you know, help them out. And in return, they're just going to give us food. So we're just going to, Tra- travel around and we're going to go and um you know we're going to help them help them out in the process we're going to learn the processes of how you grow your own food and certain things that we might not understand and um, because it's kind of easy le- it's kind of sometimes it's the simple paths to learn online uh, which is great you know the resources are out there but sometimes it's better especially the way my mind works is to actually get on the ground and um, get my hands in the dirt and actually physically um see with my physical eyes in front of us how things work um, so uh, that's kind of one anyway. Yeah, um, I haven't really done a lot of research on how to get land. That's mostly Dan's done that research. But what I am looking forward to about living on the land is like living more at peace with nature, living more at one with nature, but also getting a, getting some harsh lessons about reality. Because I know I'm not I'm well aware that there's going to be sort of pain and sacrifice and everything like that involved with it. I think when we live in Babylon, we're kind of numbed out through the comfort of like being able to go to the shop and get a plethora of exotic fruit and vegetables that are kind of nutritionally dead because they've had a, sh- a shitload of fertilizer sprayed on them. So I'm kind of looking for the, I'm looking forward to the process of kind of going back to what reality actually is and just living off the earth and growing something with my own hands and and eating that and feeling the, the vibrational difference of what, that, what that'll be like. Yeah, definitely. That's a good question, by the way, Um, by Sophie. Is that say yes. Sophie? Spoige? Oh, Spoige? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. You read the question. It's a really good one, that. So it says, I wonder if you've noticed the clouds recently. I don't remember as a child seeing the repeating and cons- concentric patterns. Dragons and phoenixes. That's so mad because we've, we've also been seeing that in the sky recently. Uh, perhaps it's all the G frequencies. Yeah, so um, I remember I was actually t- talking to Dan about this not long ago. We've been seeing quite a lot of like demonic and dragon faces in the sky. And I've been seeing like a lot of, a lot of clouds that kind of look like they've had frequencies go through them, like the way that they're, they're projected out. And because we've kind of been so disconnected from the land as humans, I was saying to Dan, like, how would I even know if the clouds aren't aren't really natural? Because I'm not, I don't, I can't remember what the clouds really looked like as a kid, because I wasn't really that connected to the environment. So. It is interesting. I don't know what they're doing with the clouds because what my intuition's telling me now is that they're they're pumping out some sort of frequency through the air or whatever that's kind of making the clouds look like that. But yeah, I don't I don't know what they're up to. I think I don't think I want to know. At the end of the day, I think just to to kind of focus our energy on the, what we can control and getting back to reality is probably the most important thing. Yeah, I kind of I kind of will say say one thing that I've learned is that. Because I kind of feel like there is a lot of stuff out there. There is a lot of um, evidence to suggest maybe there is certain frequencies or, you know, for example, with 5G and things like that, maybe are there is certain frequencies that's being pumped out to try and affect the human resonance, you know. Um, but I will I will just say that through some of the, the deep work I have been doing, I kind of feel like um, 
on the physical level, they can try and do that, you know, but on the metaphysical level, um, which is the most important thing, is that they can't they can't get to that, you know. If you if you don't let them, they can't get they can't get to that, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what I that's what I feel anyway. But it's mad because I've had some experiences with clouds in particular. I spoke about this before, but me and Laura had a, an experience where we took psychedelics and um, you know the, we were doing some deep work and the clouds were speaking to us. You know, I kind of feel like even just in general to spin it a little bit differently. If you take psychedelics and you go and look at a field, you know the clouds do in a way they'll they'll give you messages. They'll speak to you if you're doing some deep work. Maybe the ancestors and the clouds will come to you. Um, and I know for a lot of people that might seem too far out there, but you know, it, it is, it's fucking real. Yeah, I'm telling you now. Even gives you DIY tips from my experience as well. <laughs> yeah, DIY tips. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual true story, but I'm not going to repeat that for you because I don't want to look uh, too insane. That's funny. So. What type of DIY? Bondage DIY. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for the public to know. It's definitely not for the van bill because I'm doing all that work. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you cheeky shit. <laughs> I've been doing. You know what? He does. He does all the research, and like I, I go in and help him, and he's just like, "No, you can't do this. You're doing it wrong." So I just like take a step back, and then he starts to moan. <laughs> Men. Someone says, "Who's better at FIFA out of the two of you?" Oh, me definitely. No, I beat you on FIFA that time. <laughs> oh well, we drew didn't work, but I scored the first goal. So. We drew. <laughs> Right, let's see if there's any more questions. Someone said, Dale Weber said, how often do you do yoga? That's the first one that just came up. Uh, So at the minute, mean yoga, mean, uh, you mean yoga. That's your new name, yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yoga. Yoga, Um, So at the minute, mean, mean, Laura do yoga probably every single morning now. Um, Most mornings now we do. I think today I did a little bit of stretching, but I actually, last night, for the first time in a long time, I played football again. And I was, my body was so, um, my body was so aching. So I had actually, I couldn't even get, do any yoga stretches. My body was so, um, this morning was so sore. <laughs> so I might do some yoga later on actually as well. Yeah. So um, what we've been trying to do is we've got this little morning routine going while the sun's been out in the UK where we like kind of go to this uh, riverside and we do yoga for a bit, like with bare, our bare feet on the ground. We'll go for, a, I'll go for a jog, down will train and then we'll both take a dip in the, in the river. And that's been a really good way to kind of ground us. And you know what? The, when, the more grounded I feel, the more I feel like the more psychic uh, downloads come through to us, especially during my dreams. I had one where I'd been walking around barefoot all day and I had like a kind of download where I had to like wake up in the night and write it down. But that said, like the more disconnected you are, the more easy you are to manipulate. Uh, it's easier for them to kind of manipulate what your sense of reality is. And I knew that rationally, but when these downloads come through, it's kind of, it's a, it's a feeling of it. So yeah, I feel like being more grounded kind of does help with getting insights like that. Yeah. I think, I think yoga is a beautiful, a beautiful practice, you know, um, I know it's sort of a common theme that's spoke about in the spirituality community and how, how important it is. And everyone's like, if you don't do yoga, you're not spiritual. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just a, regardless of being a, even a spiritual practice, it's just a, a beautiful way to keep your body um, you know, we're, we're human, we're human beings uh, that we should be moving every single day, you know, and um, movement promotes growth, not just in the body, but in the mind. And though even the word uh, union means, uh, yoga uni- means union. Yeah, yoga m- means union. Uh, but I've had a deep insight the other, day, the other day when I was doing some yoga that, you know, what the true word of union, I feel it means it's the bridge between the physical and the metaphysical. And I often use yoga as a practice to not only just stay healthy and move my body, but um to... 
is a spiritual practice. There's times where, um, on a more subtle level, when I do yoga, where the more tuned in my body, it'll tell us certain things that are out, out of balance. So I've I've really been coming to, to learn a lot lately that if if you have a, and I really, you know, people might disagree with this, but I really feel like if any if if any of us out there have a physical problem, a physical ailment, for example, if you have an ache or a pain or um, a certain even a spot that's come up on your face or a rash on your arm, I feel like that's linked to an emotional imbalance from the spiritual level. And yoga is such a great way for me to get to them traumas and get to them imbalances because I'll kind of do yoga and I'll feel something that's out of balance or through, especially through the shavasana at the end, I'll feel um, something in my body that's out of balance. And, you know, I'll put my attention there and by sometimes by just putting your attention there, it'll start taking you on a, on a trail of thought in your mind of what that could be linked to. So that's a, a little bit on that anyway. Yeah, I think yoga for me, especially, it's been um, it's been really good. I think it's I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it's the the parasynthetic nervous system. It's like the common the common nervous system. It's been a really good way to kind of access in that. And as I've been doing trauma work and kind of releasing traumas, a lot of the time my body will like if I'm doing yoga, I feel the the shaking from my nervous system, and it's I know that that's a process of kind of releasing stagnant energy and trauma that's been stored there. So yeah, I think yoga is like it's such a vital tool for yeah for your own mental and spiritual well being. Any more questions? So someone said Kaya Verira, I think. Oh, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, I'm very terrible at pronouncing names. But someone says, has anyone else experienced seeing repetitive numbers? My numbers were two four four, and I couldn't go half a day without seeing the number for about four months yeah i've been seeing repeating numbers like mad recently uh specifically two 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 seven 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 and four 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 i've had like a, a lot of really really interesting experiences around repeating numbers but i feel like during the time that they come up that you don't always know what they mean it's not it's not until you look back at a later date like fucking hell that meant this and this meant that and it was the kind of the universe kind of orchestrating everything in this in this like grand divine way we like you wouldn't even realize at the time so i don't know i i feel like the repeating numbers are kind of amplifying at the moment so i feel like there's i'm kind of getting a lot of life lessons and and what's the word the kind of downloads but i feel like they don't always make sense right now it'll be in the future when i look back in hindsight i'll be like oh this was all this someone said a uh, deal weber weber said a uh, yogi's porn <laughs> yogi's porn <laughs> That's my style of porn. <laughs> said, uh, do you lucid dream? Do you want to answer that? Yeah, um, maybe you. You can if you want. I um, me and Dan actually when we first got together, we realised that we'd had two like very similar lucid dreams. Um, one of my lucid dreams was, I was. It felt like I was. It was. I don't. I know I wasn't inside the pyramid because because I know the pyramids don't have hieroglyphics. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Don't have hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. Do they not? Oh, the, sorry? the pyramids of Giza, do they have hieroglyphs inside them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Them? Yeah. Inside them in yeah. the pyramids? Yeah, they do. I thought the pyramids... I think in, they do. I'm not too sure. Maybe actually. some pyramids do, but maybe not the pyramids of Giza. I'm not 100% sure on that. But anyway, I was inside a pyramid of some sort. And there was I was going up with like an escalator, but I was like standing on the escalator and like the, the stone was like going above me like this. And there was just hieroglyphs covering the wall and I was like putting my hands on the wall and feeling the hieroglyphs. And then I was like, I was in a room in this lucid dream and I was being shown like a bird's eye view of the earth and a book kind of opening, but I wasn't able to kind of maintain 
lucidity during the whole thing but I thought it was so interesting how like it was as real as reality um, I was actually feeling how the hieroglyphs were like carved into the stone and I could I was feeling like the wind as I was like kind of getting pulled up this um, pyramid yeah I think dreams are really interesting for me because kind of honestly a lot lately in um oh, there's a super chat as well i just want to say thank you i haven't asked a question but thank you for the super chat guy? carl oh, there's another one as well okay. thanks kai that's amazing thank you so much i really appreciate the super chat um I, so there was there what was i saying there before i went off track about yeah, lucid dreams. dreams oh yeah um when me and what was really interesting when me and laura first met our dreams were syncing up um so a lot of things that she was working on, which I didn't even know about, were coming to me in dreams. And they were showing us certain aspects of things that, that Laura was working on in her life that she was, you know, she was working towards trying to sort of clear a trauma or healing on something. So I kind of feel like, you know, there is, um, you know, there's, I know there's loads of mystics in the past talked about how our dreams can sync up and tune up. There's also a lot of um, people speak about how if you are a really good lucid dreamer, and I've, I've never tried this before but they believe that how you can actually try and do experiments where you can actually lucid dream and meet people who are also lucid dreaming as well in the world whether that's just a projection of your subconscious or not i don't know also i feel like um sometimes lately in my life i've been having so many dreams uh, not just lucid dreams but vivid dreams in in particular and i'm you know what there's, there's days where for example the other week me and laura were at, we took some psychedelics and we were Sometimes the the ripple effects of me and Laura, sometimes, because I feel like we activate each other a lot with the deep work. I've said this before. And the work, you know, the work will ripple. And for example, we'll have an intense experience where Laura's working on something, I'm working on something. And then for the following morning, the, uh, the, the work will continue. And I've had experiences where I felt like I needed a break from the work. And the dreams have just still been battering us again and again and again and again. Like I had this dream the other week where I think I spoke about it where I felt like I was in a room and I was experiencing every single person I'd experienced in my life and they were all sort of sort of coming on top of us in a claustrophobic way. And I kind of feel like dreams, you know, they'll, they do that in a way, you know, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to work through the subconscious. It's like a dream, like our dreams are a school, you know, and the more that you bring attention to them, um, if you want to do that or not, because once you do, the more that you pay attention to anything in life, the work starts to get deeper and deeper. Um, but I feel like dreams are such a powerful tool to, to really get to the grips of them deeper aspects inside of the self. Yeah. Sometimes it's too much for me. I'm just like, oh, please, I just want, <laughs> I literally just want to sleep tonight, please. <laughs> <laughs> I take my dreams really seriously. If like You know that, don't you? Like if I have a certain dream, I'll get up. I'll get up at like, if I wake up after this a very important dream at like four in the morning, I'll just sit and write it all down because I've changed my life over the advice that I've gotten some some of my dreams, which has been really spot on. And I feel like, um, I don't know if it's spirit guides or, or aspects of our consciousness that are representative of our, higher, of our higher self, but I definitely get messages from like dream figures that are perceived to be like of, of a higher spiritual standard kind of telling me what's the right thing to do and where to go and where I'm going wrong. So dreams are like, are really, really uh, weird. I've also been thinking recently, like, I wonder if, if when we're dreaming, if we're, in, if we're interacting with the subconsciouses of other people as well, if, if their subconscious elements are interacting with our consciousness, that's kind of something I'm playing with at the moment. Like how, 
how much do other people influence our dreams? Can they kind of come into our dreams? Are we are we in a different dimension when we're dreaming? Uh, uh, yeah. I'm still kind of working through those things. Uh, just want to say as well, Shannon, thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate that. Um, also as well, um, just to add to Laura's perspective, because I had I've had quite a few dreams where, so I'm I'm doing a lot of a really a lot of deep work lately, and I'm kind of like you know there's levels to everything. I'm not seeing it's going to talk about this in a way where I'm better than anyone else, but I'm just seeing this part of the journey that I'm on. I'm really starting to recognize the levels between the dream when I can start to understand more when a dream is more from my subconscious or maybe when it's more from someone else. And what I mean by that is me and Laura's talked about spiritual attacks in the past. Um, and I kind of feel like we don't understand fully the human mind. You know, I've had experiences where, especially when I was going through the Kundalini awakening, where I was really feeling the how people's thoughts can really affect your body on a physical level and how that can come in the form of pain. So I was having experiences where I was experiencing positive and negative uh, emotions and feelings from people through my body. And it was really painful. It was like pins and needles. And... Um, I feel like we, there's a lot yet to be undiscovered in terms of the psyche and the mind and how the subconscious works. And, you know, if people are out there, maybe, you know, everything in life is that um, this whole place is a web of energy. You know, we are energy beings. You're looking at me and Laura now, we're energy beings. But this, you know, me and Laura now have a, have a, have a huge energetic thread, you know, between me and her now because we're constantly always together and we're doing stuff. But we still remain energetically attached to people in our lives for example family members you might not see friends that you might not see there is these energetic cords that are tied to all these people and and great masters in the past talk about how you can you know there is practices you can do to sort of cut off the cords you know even by just a physical physical visualization of you cutting that cord can cut that energetically but i feel like what i've learned is i feel like still them cords can be reactivated again through through um maybe an interaction with that person again. Maybe you get a text message. Maybe you um, see something on social media about that person who you've cut ties with. And I kind of feel like there's an interplay with the subconscious and maybe how that person's thinking on maybe on a sort of an energetic level, how that can still be interplaying with your your body and mind, if that makes sense. Definitely. So like if, what do you mean if like someone's kind of thinking about you const- constantly and their subconscious is kind of like still got an attachment to you, that yeah. would kind of come out that would come out in your physical reality maybe like, and through know. a dream through a dream for example because i kind of feel like sense. i've had a few dreams where um for example i feel like some interactions i've had with people i've, I've felt them come into my dream space in my dreams and it feels like it's not a part of my subconscious i know it's like i said this works so deep and i might be wrong with this you know and um, sigmund freud uh, and carl jung spoke highly about dreams for and they wrote books about this and they still couldn't even understand the, the world of dreams so i'm not gonna i'm not saying that i fully understand it you know but what i will say that there is, it feels like there is a subtle change in terms of my subconscious versus maybe someone else trying to enter that enter that realm as well you know for example um this is a really deep experience and um you know that men and white coats might come pick us up for this <laughs> but i've had an experience where um, especially when I, like I said, I was really in the height of the Kundalini awakening and I was feeling subtle energies from from many different levels. I had this experience where I was uh, camping, camping one night in a, in a, doing some wild camping at the Lake District and it felt like, it felt like some sort of energy or some person was actually astral projecting or having an out-of-body experience in the tent where I was and I could feel their energies moving around me. So the only way that I actually stopped that energy and stopped whatever was going on, because it didn't feel right, is I just put up in my mind, I put up a metaphysical um, 
for, like force field you know you can do this with many different colors um tai chi masters talked about this for years how you can put up certain visualizations of colors around you and long as you know in your heart that you can't be affected you know this is the same for the lucid dream realm i feel like fear plays a big part in lucid dreams if you're fearful you know it'll affect you if you're fearful in psychedelics it affects your experience so there's something to do with your mind with your thoughts um, and your mindscape of before entering these realms of how you can protect yourself um, so anyway that's what I did I put up a force field and I felt like someone was astral projecting in my proximity you know now that's quite deep and out there and you might might a lot you might not believe us but it definitely went down Mad that. it's crazy isn't it? any more questions What's your response to have you had the job yet? And that's by Black Swan Rising. What do you think, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Never getting that. It's difficult because like, I see that I was at the park the other day with Dan, like well, the same spot we do our yoga. And there was this woman that I was just like, I just came back from a jog and I was lying in the grass in the sun. I was in such like a high vibe place. And this old woman with a dog comes over and I'm like stroking the dog. And I looked at her eyes and her eyes were like, just like black holes. Like I could tell she gave off a, a real vibe of fear. And she was like, oh, this dog, uh, this, do this dog pulls me towards people and there's this virus going around. And I really like, in that moment, I really saw the disconnection of like, damn she really is different living in a different reality to me inside her head so i'd i kind of it kind of invokes sympathy in us but at the same time it's kind of i'm trying to balance between them two worlds of like having sympathy but not letting that that consciousness kind of infiltrate mine and kind of try pull me into that uh that fearful frequency because i feel like when people are really fearful like like your um experience in the supermarket it it inter it interacts with your auric field and it make it kind of pulls you into that that lower frequency. So I'm still trying to maintain that balance, but yeah. yeah, I'm still trying to balance that juggling act myself as well. How do I, you know, how do you stand up for what you believe in versus focusing on yourself? Because that that it is a dirty energy, you know, kind of like the whole sort of the sort whole frequency that's being pulled out. You know, we we all know in our hearts that that a that a, a true human being doesn't need anything with outside of themselves. You know. You know, whatever this whatever this place is is created us in a in a in a way where we have everything required to heal ourselves within our own bodies. You know, if the re if there was a real virus, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, um, you know, we I still fully believe that we still have the own ability to to cleanse that and remove it ourselves if there was a true virus. You know, I've I've stayed true. Um, you know, in my life now, I feel I feel healthier than I've ever ever felt before in my entire life. Um, and, I, and that's me moving out traumas from an emotional point of view. It's me um, finding balance through my movement of my body. It's through my practices and everything. And, you know, there's there's no better uh, healer than myself. And I don't trust any other healer outside of myself than me. You know, there is certain, um, from a practical sense, you know, for example, if you break your leg or something or you cut or you whatever it is and you need to go to sort of emergency the, the, no, the, the, the medical system clearly is good for that, you know, but I think there's a lot of questions to do with the management of our bodies um, from the root level where I feel like there's a lot more things that we can do, you know. Yeah, I think the Western, Western um, like hospitals and medicine is really good at treating trauma. 
like tra physical trauma, but it's absolutely terrible at like, addressing the root cause of issues. It kind of just puts a plaster on like the the deeper issue that's going on. Yeah, I I, learned, I heard something the other day, and it said that the biggest death on the planet was actually from medical intervention. So when people go to hospital, more people were dying from medical in medical intervention than anything else. And then I think the second what biggest killer on the planet was heart attack and loneliness. Them two were very close together, which is they're all linked, you know. <laughs> it is mad, like the the epidemic of loneliness in society. But I think it's been done on purpose to kind of, because the book I'm reading at the moment, it's all about attachment theory, and it's how when humans are around a secure, like a, a person that feels secure with, like as a secure base, it, it calms our nervous system and we like we co-regulate each other. But I think the way the the powers that be have manipulated this reality is to kind of split us off from ourselves and not not feel detached to people and feel quite lonely inside ourselves and that's to make us more controllable and and living from a place of fear and i see i saw that in that woman's eyes you know at the park that day it's it's quite sad really because the people that are the most lonely are the ones that are going to get the vaccine which is a you know that's an important correlation to make yeah there's loads of there's loads of correlations to make, you know, and we you could that this this is the thing is um because there's a comment here just to add and I'll go back to my point. Gabaji also said I actually think it's good that COVID thing is happening because it awakened so many people. I know for a fact I would never have woken up if it wasn't for this because it caused um a lot no, of people a lot of people to question everything a lot of people to question everything, and you know that kind of, it is it's it's that's definitely hundred percent what's playing out on the planet now. We are so. I've been doing this podcast for such a long time and I've been attacking conversations from self-sustainability to health, to psychology, to traumas, to emotions, to every single angle. And I kind of feel like as a civilization, we're already going in this direction where things were out of balance and we were known that a lot of work was needed in certain directions. But it kind of felt like the, the train of civilization was, you know, it was chugging forward in the direction, whatever it was going to do anyway, you know, technological advancement and stuff like that. And I kind of feel like it's made so many more people now reassess things on an individual level you know when people have had time to be by themselves they've been going for walks more people couldn't go to the pub so they're in nature you know and these these the, it's clear to see how many um you know there obviously there is negative things that's happened through this but they're also we can take a lot of positives how it has caused a lot of introspection in terms of people's lives trying to you know move more inward um and figure out their path in life Cause I kind of feel like it's the the world around us was distracting us anyway from going inward and finding the correct path, and that's what it's definitely done, from in my opinion. Hundred percent. You see any of us? Uh, did we just answer that one? Someone said, just while Laura's trying to find one, someone said, "Black Swan Rise," and said, "Unless the virus came from Mars, nothing to worry about." Yeah, unless it came on, um, unless the virus was transported by um, Elon Musk's Tesla that was in in space. <laughs> <laughs> The one that had no ice on the car. <laughs> yeah, that is mad. <laughs> it's mad how Elon Musk sent a car to space, supposedly, and there was no ice on the outside of the car. Supposedly, space up there is meant to be freezing cold, but they forgot to put ice ice on the car. <laughs> uh, Dean says... I also want to know as well, I've seen a couple of uh, Teslas drive around here, and I tell you what, I've, I, I'm actually... I'm actually um, it's going to set up an experiment where I get a flamethrower and spray it all around the car and see if it actually affects the metal because that car went through the atmosphere, went through the Van Ambelt and was perfectly gleaming. <laughs> just like it just been around the, uh, the corner for a, for a quick wash. 
by the Romanian guys. I think Elon Musk even tweeted, he was like, you know it's real because it looks so fake or something like that. That's what he actually tweeted. And it's, they're just like throwing it out in plain sight now, aren't they? It's kind of like, I think that's what's kind of, kind of a lot of things are happening now. Um, You know, I kind of feel like these things are being thrown in front of your face. And if you believe them, you deserve it. You know, you deserve what's coming. Because it's kind of like if you can't see it, then, you know, what are you doing? You know what I mean? If you can't see it in front of you. Yeah, I definitely think this place is a, is a real school for learning. Like, yeah, I think it's a real, um, yeah, like I said, a school because everything is kind of, it feels like everything was is kind of set up to bring us into that kind of ignorance and lower nature. It's kind of, you know, the the toxic food we were fed, the, the vaccines, the, like, the schooling system, all these things have kind of been put on us to kind of get, to break us down psychologically and physically and... And so if if we're at the, if we're here at this point, I think would like I don't know. I think we should be proud of ourselves yeah, to definitely. actually have overcome all that kind of brainwashing and that. Jack, Jack uh, took us in the comments as well. I was actually talking to Jack today on Instagram as well. Um, really cool. He lives in India, uh, but he said I'm thinking the um, I'm thinking the only thing that makes sense is gardening at this point. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, like it's, it seems to be a common theme that a lot of us are working towards and we're thinking about. You know, it seems like the the whole situation that's played out is you know it's forcing us to reassess, um, t- to make ourselves more self sustainable. You know, it's kind of it's a common theme. You know, I, I keep saying when are we all going to get together and we're all going to start a self sustainable community. You know, that that, that wouldn't su- that wouldn't surprise us if that's gonna that's gonna manifest. You know, something inside of me keeps saying that. You know. You know, let's let's create let's create something new. You know, why why can it not be done? Why can we not create a a, a big self sustainable community? You know, I know there's a lot of people have tried to do this in the past, and there's been a lot of um, psychological and emotional things that's got in the way of that. You know, people start cults and things like that. But um, you know, just because it there is like many people say, our oh, self sustainable communities never work. You know, but I've seen so many evidence on the ground of you know you never hear about the ones that work you know that's interesting because <laughs> like literally the only examples i've ever seen of self-sustainable communities has always been portrayed in the light of it being a cult and being really dangerous yeah so i think that's kind of done for a reason to kind of yeah we we, we were saying we watched this thing on youtube uh, last night and it was sort of it was all about spirituality and don't get us wrong there was a lot of craziness in spirituality because you know some people just take it too far you know and they created the turn it into a cult um, the turn it in, I am the God, you know, I'm getting all the messages, listen to me, you've got to come through to me to get all the information. And um, pay 10 grand. Yeah, and pay 10 grand for um, for me to heal you, you know. Um, and I kind of feel like that's pre- pre- prevalent. I can't remember what I was going to say now. It's going to go on a rant. Uh. Oh, about um, how the media Oh, yeah, but the media, perception. you know, the media p- p- uh, sways the perception in terms of spirituality and stuff like that. It tries to it tries to um, make all forms of spirituality under one same bracket. It's hilarious and stupid, you know. Um, I kind of feel like there was a, a, a film in the UK that did this called The Inbetweeners. And I remember when I was, if you haven't seen The Inbetweeners, it's a funny UK film about four guys who uh, basically just live out like normal teenagers and go through all these, do all these different things. But there was a scene in one of the films of Inbetweeners and you know, lots of young people watch Inbetweeners. And there was some spirituality concepts that were played out in that, and they were trying to, they were sort of making it, um, they were like sort of making it look so stupid, so that modern day people would have associated in the mind that anything spirituality is seen as uncool. So I kind of feel like there's a, there's an interplay of, of like that going on, you know. Definitely, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza in his book Becoming Supernatural, he breaks down how that happens. Like when we watch 
the the television, especially late at night when we're producing, is it? I think it's more melatonin. As we're more relaxed, our um, our brain waves change and we become more susceptible to the messages that we're being taught on on the screen. So I think it's like our trance, a state of trance goes up, and it's like our rational mind kind of takes a takes a step back. So anything that's like shown on TV, if it's if it's a new situation for our, our consciousness, it's going to associate it with the message that's being portrayed on the screen. So it's there's a reason why like the show spirituality is being superficial and dumb. And you see, I know my mum, my mum watches TV, and I even just have to glance at the TV for two seconds, and then there's an advert about some superficial person doing yoga, and it's been brilliantly done to kind of make us feel like these things are kind of superficial or. Or then they're not really going to help us when they really do help us connect to ourselves and our and our higher nature. But it's it's been brilliantly done. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, he, here's here's another one. Sean says the moon is made of cheese, and Vietnam never happened. Nine eleven is just a made up date, with a face like that looking up. Um. So you know this is an interesting one because you know I kind of feel like um when it comes to topics of people questioning you'll kind of fi- find people who are rooted in a certain way of thinking or people who are rooted in a who have you know are rooted in a dogma or a belief will you know they'll they'll use crazy statements to try and diminish the whole thing you know like for example people will say like when it comes to 5G or something like that they will go coronavirus never made 5G but you know people want people not people all people are saying that you know people are saying we just need to look more at 5g mm-hmm. so people when it comes to conspiracies and things like that so many more people are thinking you know but to try and knock that conspiracy off its pedestal and not be analyzed professionally they will use certain techniques psychological techniques to try and blend craziness with that you know like for example um someone who i know who looks into flat earth they'll say oh he's the guy who drinks his own piss so you know so you can't you can't you can't so don't believe what he says about flat earth you know so i kind of feel like the try and blend and couple certain topics and put so many things together instead of just asking one question you know for example when it comes to to 9-11 you know we, we know there's enough evidence out there so, to suggest this woke up so many people just like what coronavirus is doing now 9-11 woke up so many people in the past because people were questioning this doesn't add up that doesn't add up this doesn't add up um, and there's a lot of that doesn't add up on that you know yeah there was a sorry there was a there was a poll that was done in the UK a while ago which I remember and they went around it was like a guy who had a huge old YouTube channel that got took down as well that got censored and he went around and it was like a five hour video of him just walking around the streets and I think I actually watched the whole thing and he was just walking around asking people 9-11 real or inside job and he, I think he got one response where someone said it was real and it wasn't an inside job that's mental that <laughs> like kind of on a side note I had a kind of like a, a realization about 9-11 like I was, I was going through my, like I was going through like a transitional period in my life, and nine eleven is in numerology, nine is the end number, and one is is like the start. So what nine eleven means? It's the end of the old paradigm and the beginning of the new, and that's why nine eleven was orchestrated on that date. And the way my life had like fell, was this thing that was ending actually ended on the 9th of November, which in the British calendar is. 9-11 and I was laughing about how like you know my life has kind of fallen on that date naturally and how like um like the, when you're in touch with the divine it's like these um these synchronistic numbers kind of operate through you you're like you're a powerful being and you kind of work in in God's plan but it, it also made me like really laugh that some people like 
who orchestrated 9-11 were like these old white guys sitting there planning out the day to kind of amplify this evil event that were going to take like they were going to orchestrate and they had to plan it on that date but whereas my life when I was living in like in the divine timing was actually falling on the the natural dates of those powerful numbers so it just made me realize like how how really not powerful they are <laughs> when you're living in um divine alignment you're actually so much more powerful than them than them they have to really calculate and plan what they're doing and i think that's where the term comes from like no there's no rest for the wicked because they have to be honestly like always calculating and planning and scrutinizing and researching whereas when you're living in the in god's plan in the natural order of things things just kind of manifest as they should naturally mm -hmm. someone said the sea eagle said can you sing us a song i'll sing you a song you can shove your filthy vaccine up your ass you can shove your filthy vaccine up your ass. <laughs> you can shove your filthy vaccine. Shove your filthy vaccine. Shove your filthy vaccine up your ass. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> um, Jack Tucker said, um, said, I don't actually enjoy the vibe in communities, but I think it's my issue, not theirs. We all have to learn and live together again somehow. Yeah, it's a really interesting. That's this is something that I've analysed a lot. I've read a lot of books about the psycho psychological um, problems that come up with when you start your own self sustainable community. The best model that I've actually seen, um, and I know there's many different models, but just one that I've learned a lot that works really well is, for example, say um, a lot of problems that I've seen with self sustainable communities when I've visited them. And what I've heard on the ground and what I've learned myself reading books and stuff is that on the ground, um, a lot of problems come into, come into situations when the self-esteem little communities become um, too close together, if that makes sense. So what I mean by this is the model that I've seen work on a lot of occasions, which I feel like if I ever did this, I would try and adopt this model because there seems to be a lot of evidence for it, is that people have their own plot of land. For example, you may come together, you maybe buy the buy that land or you get that land with a group of people and each individual person gets their plot of land, which is, you know, they have their own living quarters. You know, what natural human beings, it's it's too much it's too much of a transition to just expect people to go from living in the Monday world, going to a supermarket, and then just instantaneously, you know, moving into where you're all singing in circles, going la 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 you know, and just like picking your veg out veg out the ground. I think like there needs to be a, a transitional point where we bridge the the psychological traumas we have would bridge the intuitions and stuff and i feel like that can be done in a model that's where like i said people have their own individual plot of land but together you know you have a shared unity you share resources you come together at certain times of the day to help with the production of crops and food and things like that but everyone has the space and the ability to move out of a situation you know if they want to have their, their they want to be by themselves or something you know i had an example where I was speaking to a guy called Tao, who I've spoken about on the podcast with, and he was telling me, you know, the self-sustainable community that he lives in is it's set up in a way where, you know, if people want to, even if people are working on something and they want to disappear and they don't want to even come out of the house for a year, they can do so, you know, and the community will fill that void and help them, you know, they'll still get the food and stuff like that. So there is there is ways around that, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the, the sort of the, the the Monday picture that we have of communities being everyone in sort of, you know, everyone living in one year together, you know? Yeah, I think that'd be too much of a transition. Uh, I made us laugh when I read this comment. Dave Holmes goes, what a load of shit. Numbers, God's plan, flat earth. I can just imagine him sitting there with his side <laughs> going, 
load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now we, we love you. We love you, Dave. It's not allegedly, Dave, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said the earth was flat. You told me it was flat, Dave. Is <laughs> there any more questions? Sometimes the comments are really good as well. Try and have a look. Someone said there, while well, you refine that, someone said, you can keep strolling. Someone said the BBC reporter said Tower 7 collapsed five minutes before it collapsed. How did it? How did BBC know? I know exa- exactly that, you know, when it comes to 9-11, there's, there's so many... Um, you know, there's there's so much, there's so many things that are held up need need to be held up, um, looked at. You know, when you start looking at them, you realise so, so many different things. You know, there's so many flaws in it. For me, one of the one of the ones it was, you know, they said that the you know the planes knocked down the towers. You know, these towers that are are, are developed out of really efficient iron. You know, or, or metal or whatever it was. Um, you know, to withstand heavy winds and stuff. But a, a little plane can come along and knock it down. You know. You know, there was detonators all the way around that, all around that base of that that nine eleven tower. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, I like it when Owen Benjamin says he was like, everyone was going, "Oh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself." He was like, "Building seven didn't kill itself." Yeah, definitely. When it comes to um, maybe try and find a question while I'm going on this rant, but um, what I was going to say was um, <clears throat> was you know, it's very interesting because I don't know if any of you guys out there had seen you know the whole UFO conversation because the Pentagon I think it was um, or the medias all around the world over the last couple of days have been talking about how um, you know they're basically coming forward now and giving full disclosure saying that UFOs are real you know and we've had encounters with them military pilots have been having encounters with them you know but for for so long we already knew in the community of people who were waking up you know we already knew that that was happening anyway there was so much evidence already to to, to show and prove that this was going on for years and um, there's been many different congresses that's been put together there was an amazing congress which i think was done by dr stephen greer greer where he got loads of military personnel to get together and disclose ufos bob lazar's story and um, you know there's there's countless stories of um the relsham forest there's so many different encounters where people have had um stories and very credible people have come forward and said ufos are real but it's very interesting because um you know for so long uh, the government was saying that you know the government was saying that UFOs weren't real. They weren't disclosing it. They were hiding lots of truths, which is lots of questions to that to that reason why. But it makes you beg the question, you know, if the government can come out now, years and years later, after all this evidence come forward, and they completely create stories, denying stuff for maybe for their agenda or something on technology, advancement of technology that they wanted to hide. It begs the question: if they can do that, what other things are they lying about? You know. If they can now, 30, 40, 50 years later, come out and go, ah, guys, we're relying about that. Now there is a full disclosure. Um, while everyone's worrying about coronavirus, don't come up with, don't come up with us with our pickaxes. But, you know, we're now we're, we're lying about that, guys. Now we're not. Um, so ask, ask yourself the question, what is it also else that they're also lying about, you know? 100%. Jack Tucker says, I have a big soft spot for the big bear. Me too. I think he's like... He's the only guy that I've been really been watching his content recently because I just think he's he's doing so much good. Like he's kind of restoring the good in the world just by living living through truth, just having like land and and raising his animals and just living off the land and just speaking truth. He's like what he's doing is so powerful. Yeah, definitely. Um Black Swan Rising says did anyone else notice when lockdown first happened last year, within weeks, the supermarkets had blue stickers on the floor and protection screens removed? Uh, but where did they come from? No one was working and all the supermarkets had to, had to have 
had to order thousands. Not sure uh, that makes sense, but makes sense in my head. Yeah, for for me on that perspective, I think it's it's wild. You know, it feels like you're in sort of some dystopian worldview when you walk through the supermarket these days. You know, it's insane when you walk around the floor and all the blue signs are saying social distance, social distance. All the signs. I like the one about the masks when it on the tannoy. So in the UK, it comes up on the tannoy and it says like. Uh, masks must be wearing masks must be wearing then it comes up however please uh, respect people who may have hidden disabilities you know it's kind of like the the telling you to wear a mask but then the telling you like but here's the loophole (laughs) (laughs) you know exemption is the key word is the code word for this for the um for the dungeon (laughs) yeah i'm exempt i think it's it's actually quite scary It's, it's given me a kind of look into how, you know, when corporations kind of run everything, you know, we don't have local supermarkets anymore that are just run by ordinary people. We all have like, these big the corporations in our towns and that. But when you go into the shops, it's like they're saying, oh, well, our our policy now is you have to wear the lanyard when you go in to show that you mm. have a hidden disability. But that actually is one step further than the actual UK government law, which says that um, you don't need to show anything if you have an exemption. And it just made me realise that when we are using corporations like that, they can manipulate us even further than the government through their own policy. And they go, well, if you don't abide by the policy, go shop somewhere else. But they all have the same policy. It's the same with social media. Um, if you don't abide by community guidelines, you get kicked off. But this is like, this is the, the, like the main way to communicate and way to share information nowadays. So it's kind of scary how how corporations are kind of controlling us when they're not even elected bodies. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, it, it, it's a mad situation that's playing out now with all the all the all the signs and stuff like that on the floor, man. It, it's just it's crazy. It's like it's like, you know, it's what um George Orwell talked about years ago. It's like it's even if you've read his book, George Orwell nineteen eighty four, it's like kinda like the world's kind of ahead of that state now already, you know, in this place where it's mad it's just mad when you walk around, man. It's what seeing what it looks like, it's insane. It is. I just like that's why I kind of I kind of lose sympathy for people who I haven't woken up. I'm like, do you not see the madness of what's happening? Like, there's people with masks on their face as like starving themselves of oxygen to walk around, and the like the screens up, and the, the they don't realize that this is never going to go back to what it was. That this is going to just keep going tiptoeing down, down, down this like this route. And it kind of makes me frustrated with those people, but I suppose it's just like, it's all part of the plan, but it, it is frustrating to, to think about. Yeah, definitely. Someone said, um, Black Swan Rising said, no, sorry, is it Black Swan Rising? No, someone, a question about, oh, no, sorry, Kai Vera, Kai Vera, yeah, said thoughts on David Icke. Yeah, David Icke's uh, really cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you're going to get two camps of people with David Icke. Just like you're going to get two types of people with every single topic, you know, you're going to get people say he's a he's he's a shill, he's a sellout, um, he's talking rubbish, he's he's high on drugs. You know, you get these two conversations. You know, we're all high on drugs. Let's start about that. We're all, as Terence McKenna says, we're all made up of chemicals anyway. You know, we have millions of chemicals that's running through us. Um, Rick Strassman says that DMT in our minds is the only reason why we perceive in reality itself. So let's get that one out of the way. We're all high on drugs, you know. Um, we all don't know what's going on. Uh, but when it comes to David Icke, you know, I've interviewed him in person as well, and he's he's, he's such a really down to earth guy. You know, he's just a guy who actually wants to help. That's that's all he is. He's just someone who is speaking his from his truth. Maybe all of his truths aren't right, but me, all of our truths aren't all right. You know, I change my opinion every single day of the week. Um, and who says that he can't do it? Just because he's someone who I think at times, you know, in our lives, a lot of people, for example, 
just like David Icke, you know, he he's out there on a large scale. He says something, then you then he has to live on that that thing for the rest of his life. You know, if he turns around and says, "Oh, the moon's not real," you know, well, that interview, you know, everyone remembers the time when he said that. But he might have changed his mind. But then someone will go, "Oh, that's David Icke, the one who believes that the Queen's a reptilian." Um, you know, but he might have changed his mind. He might have changed his understanding around that. You know, he might have changed the way that he perceives that topic. Maybe he might understand that it's not a physical thing. Maybe it's a metaphor for the collective consciousness. You know, it's it's kind of like you don't know. There's there's so many nuances. Um, but when it comes to David Icke, he he said, you know, it's clear to see. I'm on the on his side in terms of what he said about the way the world's playing out now. You know, he's he he clearly was one of the first guys um, at the beginning of what was going on right now with the pandemic, where he was coming forward and he was really exposing a lot of the a lot of very detailed information from a scientific perspective how um, things are out of balance, you know, and out of sort with the virus and lies that were being told. And he's still doing it. And, and I'll also ask another question: Why, if you know, if someone out there is if someone out there is speaking nonsense, right, and they are a shill, then why do you need to be censored? Yeah. You know, ask yourself that. Why? Why is? Why does? He, why do you need to be censored? Because it seems to be if, if someone, all the people in the world throughout history who have been censored, are ones who were trying to tell you something, were trying to get you to go off the train tracks. Yeah, I think David Icke plays an important role. Obviously, like, like with anyone, I don't agree with a hundred percent of everything he says, but that's like that's true for everybody, and yeah. I don't think information is so dangerous that someone needs to be censored from what i know like what i've experienced with my own consciousness now is like he's a hundred percent spot on about the reptilians and he's been spot on about a lot of things but i think him himself you can tell when you look at him he's like he's holding up such a like a, a strong role in this reality of like looking at all this darkness and kind of telling us about it and i think a lot not a lot of us can really do that to to see all this evil and learn about all this evil information and write about it and really go into that area of to that area of knowledge i think um especially for me when i look at that stuff about like you know the transhumanist agenda and ritual sacrifice and pedophilia and stuff like that it's it's quite heavy on your soul and i when you look at david Icke, he looks like he's like he's you know t- that's taking a toll on him and yeah, on his body 100 percent, and you know Everyone plays different roles in society, you know, and we don't have to, like Laura says, you're not going to agree with everything that everyone says, you know, you, sh- you know, like I said, you shouldn't even probably agree with everything you, you see in yourself, you should completely analyse yourself self over and over again, but when it comes to David Icke, you know, he, he is, when you go into that deep work and you go into the darkness, it takes, a, it does take a huge toll out on your, on your physical body, um, and it can affect your life, and some people have, maybe so, before some people have come to this world, they've, 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 um, you know, they've sort of made a choice to do that work. You know, maybe they've chose to go into the darkness and expose some darker elements that society wants to put under the rug and not look at. But it's kind of interesting in terms of roles. You know, so many people out there playing different roles. And um, when it comes to David Icke, he's he's exposing a lot of stuff. But there's also um, people who are on a, on the ground level are doing other actionable stuff. So, for example, someone asked the question to me a long time ago. They said who's the most um, dangerous guest you've ever had on your podcast? And what I mean by that is, is like, who's the most dangerous to the establishment? Who's the most dangerous guest to the government? And I actually said it wasn't David Icke. I said it was actually a guy who was self-sustainable on his, on his own land. So I kind of feel like there's, there's, many, there's many sort of fights to what's going on now. You need someone like David Icke who's talking about out there, who, you know, he brings the fear, you know, because we know the topics of fear bring the people in, you know, when you, when, you know, when you talk about fear or something like that, it, it, pull, it pulls people in, you know, 
Yeah. Um, so there's many, there's many ways anyway. Yeah. Shall we answer one more? Yeah. And call it a day? Yeah. Let's answer that one second. Right. So it says, David Icke doesn't seem to... So Jen Judism said, David Icke doesn't seem to think 3D, re, re, 3D reptilians exist, but they do, not, not just, just 4D. 4D. What do you mean by that? So the fourth dimensional reptilians that we've seen are the ones that kind of phase in and phase out. All right. Whereas 3D is like solid as you are. So he believes the 3D? Well, David, he says that David I doesn't believe that there's there's just three D ones. All right, right, well. okay, cool. Yeah, so the ones that we've experienced, the reptilians that we've seen, um, you know, they have been definitely call a four D, five D, something that definitely seems to blend in and blend out of reality, but also, you know, comes through us as well, through our actions as well. So there's an, I feel like with the reptilian conversation, there is a, what I'm learning with it. There is also, you know, just like there's physical dimensions, there's also um, metaphysical dimensions, and I feel like the the two interplay with inside of the self, but also manifest in front of you as well. So maybe, um, you know, it's a, it's a big conversation. This, you know, it, it gets into the whole conversation of the nature of reality and consciousness. Who are we? Why are we here? What role do we play in the universe? Um, it's a it's a it's a big one that has. It's like a big spider's web. You know, it has so many different layers that need to be analysed. You know, is it metaphorically speaking? Is it the way that we, when we're in our lower nature, the reptilians come through in us. Are we the reptilians? Are the reptilians on a physical basis? This is a huge talking point, you know, big one. Yeah, I think that I think there could be anything. I've heard uh, a lot of people say that in the inner earth is like the like real physical reptilians there, but I can only go off what my consciousness has seen. Yeah. So, and we've um, seen the reptilians, you know, we've yeah. seen them in, through ourselves, through our through the deep work we've done. We've seen the reptilian nature inside of ourselves, and physically seen the reptilians, you know. Which is mad. Imagine see, imagine seeing that though. Imagine seeing imagine seeing that on, on BBC News. Uh, I seen a reptilian the other night. Uh, yeah, it was me. It was me, it was my girlfriend. <laughs> imagine seeing that. Yeah, it'll be one of them um, inside a mental mental institution programs probably. <laughs> yeah, that's mental because like I had a I had a friend who was training to be a psychologist. And his one of his friends worked in a psychiatric institution, and he had the job of like determining whether someone gets sent home or not. I think he was the main consultant, and he was just getting into yoga and meditation and psychedelics and that. And there was a woman there who was locked up in this mental institution, and she was talking about chakras and she was talking about astral projection. And he said that the guy who worked there said that it felt like really wrong deciding whether. She had to stay in that mental mental institution or not because he felt that she was more spiritually advanced than he was. So who was he to kind of decide if she was crazy or not, or if she was sane enough to go home and like interact with society? Yeah. So uh, Dave Holmes says, "Ha ha ha! I'm not scared to read the comments that like, go against my opinion. I think we should. I think I think I think we should always. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I think we should always entail other points of opinion. You know, I was yeah. in a." So basically Dave Holmes says, ha ha, reptilians, no, it's not a talking point. They don't exist. You know, I kind of, I feel like when you went through my journey in the past, I, I, I said the same thing. You know, when, when David Icke spoke about reptilians, I was kind of like, you know, I, my, I just didn't have the consciousness to understand it. You know, I hadn't 
I hadn't done enough experiences with inside myself to do, I hadn't done enough deep work basically and cleared out the shadow to understand them levels of, yeah. of the psyche. You know, I kind of feel like, and what I 100% know is now is that we all, if you're doing enough deep enough work, and and I say this and know, not to be horrible, Dave, but maybe you just haven't done enough deep work. But when it comes to, when you start unraveling the shadow, you start realizing the, the lower nature inside of the self and how you collectively, unconsciously play a part in the wider world around you. And how that reptilian nature, metaphorically or physically speaking, is is within you. Yeah, I think when people haven't really gone through the awakening process, they're very entailed towards like the five sense reality and believing what you see is the only reality. reality. And it's very hard for people to grasp that when they haven't had these um, metaphysical experiences, when they haven't had those experiences, they'll kind of go, ha don't exist, crazy. Yeah. But it's like... You know, um, you can't bring back evidence because it's your consciousness that's that's seeing these things. It's your consciousness that's leaving your body. So the fact that you're here, Dave, and listening. Yeah, it's to cool. Like, yeah, that's good. It's, it's cool. really cool. It's a good question. It's a, it makes a good it makes a good talking point. Should we answer one more, do you think? So Jack, I'll read this one because it's the first one I said. Uh, Jack Tucker said, um, I can't help but think the beast system works through David Icke in a dark way. He certainly isn't the best guy to recruit new minds to the table. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you mean. I, I, I know I've, I've had them moments in my life when I've looked at David Icke and I kind of feel like, like we're saying before, you know, it takes a lot to be in that, to always be swept away by the darkness. And you know when he is? Like a lot of times is, like I said, there is many different roles. You know, for example, David Icke might be highlighting the darkness, which I definitely feel, you know, in, in the when you start doing the inner work, I feel like one of the big rules is a lot of us don't want to look at the darker sides of ourselves. You know, we don't want to look at the, collectively we don't look at the paedophilia. We don't want to look at, um, you know, the the lower nature of ourselves and all these different things that are playing out. But, you know, once you once you start going, going, going more inward and you, you get more used to doing that work, it doesn't become uh, as, as much as a heavy burden as it was in the past when you were when you were first looking into that so i kind of understand why when david Icke speaks why people don't you know they're shut off by him maybe they think oh he's too much in the fear he's you know he's um i can't resonate to that because you know the the the, the deep work does bring a different resonance you know it, it is easy just to be in the spirituality community to be in the love and the light and just you know not look at the dark darker parts of, of society but he like i said he plays that role in that you know um, he's not going to be the guy who, he's not going to be the guy who's talking about off-grid living. He's not going to be the guy who's even, in a sense, talking about practical solutions. Because I kind of feel like I've never really, maybe I'm wrong in this. He probably has, but I'm, I never really see David Icke talking about the practical solutions, which is absolutely fine. That's the role in society he plays. He can't. We all can't pl- play multiple roles. I mean, we, yeah. we play multiple roles anyway. But what I mean is, if you want to really attack a certain topic and be um, you know, be be very um, academically astute in that. It's very hard to, you know, to be the expert on growing foods, but also be the expert on uncovering the darkness. Because maybe his darkness that he uncovers maybe inspires someone else to go and look into someone else to think, well, how am I going to get away from the system? So we can't expect people in society to play the role of every single character, you know. This world's far too big. Just like you can't expect any single person to know all the information in the world, you know. I kind of feel like at times we like to do that. We like to put our faith in these messiahs and people like that because, it, it, you know, in a way it takes away our own self-inquiry, you know, because it's easier for someone else to do the self-inquiry instead of the self. But we're all learning, we're all here. So I don't know what point I'm making, but, you know, we can't expect certain people in society to, to, to you know, to fill all of our roles, just like we can't expect all of our family members, and loved ones and friends in our family to, to fully satisfy the self. Exactly. No, I think you put that beautifully. 
Should we leave it there? Yeah. Really, really cool, by the way. And we're definitely going to be doing more of these in the future because this was so cool. Um, But honestly, guys, thank you so much, everyone, for turning up. So many great questions. Even Dave as well in the comments. <laughs> we love you, Dave. Um, we love you, Dave. It's just, like I say, it's just, you know, it's part of the journey. We, we don't all have to agree. Um, we're not scared to disagree or whatever. Me and Laura disagree all the time about everything, you know. Um, yeah, that's a, lot a, yeah, a lot of things. And, you know, we're all just on a journey. And we're all trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. Yeah, so thanks for watching and taking part. It's been really uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Peace and love. Peace, Peace out, everyone. Love. See you later. Thanks so much for checking out that podcast conversation there. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you can, guys, check out the one-off donation option or the Patreon page. It really uh, helps me uh, to keep doing what I'm doing and keep this podcast alive. It really means a lot if you could check that out. I'm also now offering some one-on-one personal coaching if this helps you. I offer two different types of things. One of the things that I offer is it's basically sort of um, a coaching package where you get, you can either do a one, one session a month and you get um, coaching assignments and stuff or you can do two. We can do two coaching sessions and then you get um, some, some more advice on top of that as well. I also offer a separate thing where you can basically just turn up for an hour, like a one-off session where we can just get together and we can have a, an hour conversation and work on or you can speak about anything that you want to discuss. So there's two options, like I said, um, and I would, if you, if you, if you, if you feel like on your journey, this is something that you would, that you would, um, that you need, um, I'm more than welcome to, to, we can reach out, you can reach out to me and we'll see if we are fit to work together. So I love you all, and just to play this one out as I always do, uh, this is a really this is a really cool song. It is um, it's by a, a, a group that I've listened to for such a long time called Time Cop, and the song is called On the Run. Peace out. Mm-hmm.